Welcome to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Your host, Leonard Birdsong, is a law professor, a former diplomat, and a former federal prosecutor who's here to inform and entertain you with a mix of humor, opinion, and information. Now, here's Leonard Birdsong. Yes, sir. It is Leonard Birdsong on the Leonard Birdsong radio show. So happy to be back with you. This is my second show. Thanks to Dave Olson, my engineer, that our inaugural show went very well. At any rate, I am here with a unique blend of humor, opinion, storytelling, and information. I've got the peanut gallery behind me here. You can hear them back there. And... um I hope you like listening to all you pretty girls out there. You can call me by my nickname, Leonardo. That's someone in the peanut gallery. You don't have to do the woof wolf. All right. We're going to do some things today. We're going to hear some dumb criminal law stories. And then you're going to hear a couple of my opinions. And then we're going to have a guest on who's going to tell us about franchising. He's a lawyer. I know him. I've worked with him. Um, and he is sort of the dean of franchise lawyers in Orlando in the southeast region of the United States. So maybe you'll learn something from it. But anyway, let's start with the dumb news. Last week, I read you some stories from overseas. I have a few stories from Florida that I want to give you today. Florida has a lot of dumb criminal stories. That's where I live, but it has some dumb criminals. All right, here's the first one from Florida. Now, you have to read and listen. I mean, listen to the headlines and then the story. Here's the headline for the first one. There's always room for one more. Florida sheriff's deputies loading prisoners into a transport van didn't have to work very hard to find one more customer after a woman high on drugs sideswiped the police van. Emily Spice, 30, allegedly added injury to insult when she ran over the foot of one of the deputies as she was being arrested on assault and battery charges. (laughs) All right. Another one from Florida. Headline. His luck ran out on him too soon. A man stole $10,000 worth of scratch-off lottery tickets in Ocala, Florida and tried to cash in one of the winners in Leesburg, a town 30 miles away from Ocala. The trip came up void, or the ticket rather, came up void or stolen at the Leesburg store, where the quick-witted clerk had snapped a photo of the man which helped police make his arrest. All right. These are crazy stories. This one I particularly like. The headline said, it's a crime of Jurassic proportions. A man wearing a dinosaur costume was arrested after he whipped out a fake rifle and tried to start a flash mob at a public park in the town of Cocoa, Florida. Police report that the 19-year-old scared park goers who thought he was waving a real rifle. Yes, he was arrested for disturbing the peace. Yeah, it is something to laugh at. Okay, okay, we get the idea. Let's go on. I got some more Florida stories here. This one, one I'd never heard of before. It's called, the headline rather read, Caught Orange-Handed. Caught Orange-Handed. 
A Florida inmate was arrested for eating a drawing made with orange crayon. And the crayon was soaked in liquid speed. Authorities report that Robert Ains, 27, was munching the kitty art which featured a smiley-faced son when a guard spotted his tasteless snack. It appears that Ains had several speed-drenched pieces of art which had been sent to him in the Broward County Jail. Now, that's down in the Fort Lauderdale area. What do you think of that story? All right. Okay. Yeah, it's bad. All right. Another story from Florida. A Florida man faced a child abuse charge after he beat an eight-year-old boy and threatened to feed him to the alligators. The child told police authorities that Derek Dunn, 28, took him to a pond behind their Palm Coast home and made the threat. Of course, Dunn told sheriff's deputies he was only joking. I was only fooling and denied hitting the boy. We learn further that Dunn was able to post a $7,500 bond in order to be released from custody pending trial. <laughs> Feed them to the alligators. Well, in, Al- in, in Florida, you know, people do get bitten and sometimes eaten by alligators. It's not a funny thing. couple more stories. This one is from Kentucky. It's best to stay awake on the job, dummy, said the headline. A man who broke into a number of cars in the town of Harrodsburg was arrested sleeping in one of those vehicles while still wearing a mask and black gloves on his hands. Police report that Matthew Stewart, 35, of Louisville, faces theft, criminal mischief, and criminal trespassing charges. All right, the final one for this section. This one comes out of Maryland. The headline read, Prison for Bum Doctor. A man accused of injecting misbranded silicone into people's rear ends in a hotel room uh, was recently sentenced to 14 years in federal prison after one of his clients died. The prosecution's allocution at sentencing revealed that Vinnie Taylor of Wilmington, North Carolina, pleaded guilty to receiving and selling misbranded silicone for buttocks injections that led to a woman's death in 2014. Taylor, who is not a medical doctor, told clients that the procedure was safe and involved a medical-grade silicon. It wasn't true. Yeah, that's an awful story. Booing is appropriate. It's an awful story. All right. Well, all right. That's enough from the peanut gallery. So those are some of the dumb criminal stories I had for you today. There's no fake news. All of these are true stories that I collect from the news and the wire services, and I bring them to you. And I also put them on my blog. If you ever want to go to www.birdsongslaw.com, you can find some of these stories. But um, now let's sort of pivot. You've all heard of karma. Karma is a ancient theory that if you do something bad, it might come back to you. We here in the United States say what goes around comes around. Some people say karma is a bitch. Well, again, I just want to tell you about a story, and it's you've all heard of just before the inauguration of Donald Trump, about five days before, John Lewis, who is a congressman and who is a civil rights activist uh, during the civil rights era, 
said to a television interviewer that he didn't think Donald Trump was a legitimately elected president of the United States because Russia helped him out. He said he was not going to come to the inauguration. Well, Trump heard that, and he started tweeting that John Lewis is nothing but talk, 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 that his uh, his area, his district is in bad shape, which is not true. He represents one of the richest districts in Atlanta, Georgia. But at any rate, when I talk about karma, wasn't it Donald Trump who for almost five years said that the president of the United States, Obama, that Barack Obama was born in Kenya and he wasn't a legitimate president? What goes around comes around, Mr. President. So there. Okay, I got that off my chest. And let's pivot to the other thing that I wanted to talk about today. You know, we have a lot of guns in the United States. Some people say too many. Some people say too many people are committing crimes because of all the guns. Well, I'm not an anti-gun person. As a matter of fact, I used to be a federal prosecutor. I know a lot about guns. I've represented people who had guns. I've prosecuted people who shouldn't have guns. And uh, I came across some news that bothered me lately. It has to do with gun silencers. We've all seen silencers in the movies, if not in real life. You might know that the federal government has strictly limited the sale of firearms silencers in the United States. However, now the gun industry, which for decades has complained about restrictions, is pursuing new legislation to make silencers easier to buy. And a key backer is Donald Trump Jr., who's an avid hunter. He's also the oldest son of the president of the United States. The same legislation that's being renewed died in Congress last year. But I hear that Republicans in charge of the House and Senate are moving toward pushing this gun rights silencer thing again. They hope to position, I'm sorry, they hope to position the bill in a different way, not as a Second Amendment matter, but as a health and welfare matter. The bill would be a public health effort to safeguard the eardrums of 55 million gun owners in the United States. The name of the bill, of the proposed bill, is the Hearing Protective Act, the Hearing Protection Act of the United States. It would end treating silencers and as the same category as machine guns and grenades, thus eliminating a $200 tax and a nine-month approval process. Now, you can have a machine gun at home. You might even be able to have hand grenades. I don't know why you might want them, but you're going to have to pay a tax for that. You also have to pay a tax for silencers. This bill would do away with that. I think this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. We do not need silencers on guns. The gun people say it's about safety for the, uh, the, the hunters that use guns. But, you know, I think silencers will end up in the hands of lots of criminals and terrorists. It's just awful the things that people come up with. 
even with the restrictions, silencers have already become one of the fastest growing segments of the gun industry. Now, I just learned this a few days ago by doing some research on this matter after I read the first story about it. Um, easing restrictions say that it would have a profound public health impact. That's what the NRA people say. I say that's absolutely crazy. How did silencers come about? Well, I did a little more research. I've never had a gun with a silencer on it. But silencers were first invented in 1908 here in the United States by a man by the name of Hiram Maxim. He was a scientist. He was an engineer. He had gone to the Massachusetts Engineer of Technology, and uh, he made silencers, and he thought that maybe guns were too loud, so he made a thing called a silencer to keep the uh, guns from being so loud. However, fairly immediately after that, in 1909, states like Maine started to ban silencers. They did the same thing in Pittsburgh, and until at by 1930, 1934, it is at least 13 states enacted silencer laws, and uh, most of them bearing or barring using silencers for hunting. Now, Mr. Maxim, because of these bans on his silencers decided he'd make a new product. He got out of the gun silencer business, and what did he start making? Automobile mufflers using the same technology that he had come up with to keep guns quiet. Now, I think it's silly that we have silencers with the kinds of things that are going on in the world. I saw another little story not too long ago about a guy by the name of Ari Fleischer. He was the president. President Bush's, George W. Bush's press secretary, and Ari Fleischer was walking through the Fort Lauderdale airport on January 6th. Some of you may remember, this was the day that multiple gunshots rang out in the Fort Lauderdale airport. He realized it was gunfire coming from the level below the escalator. He dived for cover. There are a number of gunshots. Several people were killed and several wounded by an American citizen from Alaska who had been in the military but got out and had brought his gun with him. So Ari Fleischer, a Republican, says that we probably don't need silencers on guns, and I certainly go along with that. I don't know how many of you feel that there should be silencers, but... Gun control advocates like me contend that serious crimes are being committed with silencers. There was a former police officer, his name was Christopher Dorner. He used silencers on an AR-15 and a 9mm handgun during a two-day rampage in Los Angeles in 2013. There was a big manhunt for him. They finally caught him and put him down. Also, a serial killer in Vermont used a silencer in killing at least one of his 11 victims. And finally, the planner of a disrupted mass shooting targeting, targeting a Masonic temple in Milwaukee last year was charged with possessing a silencer, illegally possessing it. Now, again, these stories don't give me, don't give me what? 
They don't give me confidence that silencers are a thing we should be pressing for guns in the United States. I just think that it's going to be very bad. All right. Why don't we take a little break here, and we will come back, and we will talk a little bit more. I've got some news tidbits coming in. The uh, fax machine has been running, and they've been sending me some faxes with news tidbits. So let me talk to you after this break. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and consumer debt counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to consumerdebtcounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Although he's been involved in serious criminal law work over the years as a prosecutor, a defense attorney, and a law professor, Leonard Birdsong knows that it's good to stay grounded. That means not always taking criminal law so seriously and instead just having a good laugh at some dumb criminals and their dumber crimes. Several years ago, he began to collect and compile weird and funny criminal law stories. He shares some of them weekly on his TalkZone Internet radio program. And now you can read more of them yourself in one of his 14 humor books. He has two book series, Professor Birdsong's Dumbest Criminal Law Stories and Professor Birdsong's Weird Criminal Law stories. They're available for purchase in either paperback or Kindle edition by going to the author link on the homepage at leonardbirdsong.com. Leonard knows that you'll get a few good laughs or at least a few chuckles from his collections of dumb and weird criminal law stories. Check them out for yourself by going to the author link at leonardbirdsong.com. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. Yeah, the fax machine has been running. My research assistant back at school has been sending me some news tidbits that I want you to hear. Again, this is all real news. No fake news on this program. Here's the first news story that I got over the facts here. Headline, UN declares no wonder. Comic book superhero heroine Wonder Woman has been abruptly fired from her honorary ambassador job at the United Nations following protests that a white, skimpily dressed American prone to violence wasn't the best role model for girls. The U.N. said in uh, late uh, December of 2016, the appointment of Wonder Woman as an honorary ambassador for the empowerment of women and girls would end 
a move that comes less than two months after a splashy ceremony at the U.N., which attracted Wonder Woman actress Linda Carter. Now, honorary ambassadors, unlike goodwill ambassadors, are fictional characters. The U.N. previously tapped Winnie the Pooh to be an, on, an honorary ambassador of friendship in 1998 and Tinkerbell as the honorary ambassador in 2009. News tidbits that you don't need to know, but aren't they interesting? Here's one she sent me. My researcher sent me sent, uh, from Orlando. LGBT safe shopping, says the headline. Officials in Orlando, Florida, are launching a program allowing business to designate themselves as safe places for gays and lesbians if they feel threatened. Orlando officials will begin distributing decals Monday, the six-month anniversary of the massacre of the Pulse Gay Nightclub in which 49 people were killed in Orlando. Local businesses can post the decals on their windows, identifying them as places members of the LGBTQ community can go if they feel they are in jeopardy. The rainbow-colored decals are in the shape of a police badge and say, safe place. Huh, who knows? Who knew? What do you think about that, Campion Gallery? Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, all right. Here is a, another news tidbit that I was sent, and it's a sad story. Teen dies in subway stunt. We don't have subways here in Orlando, but New York has a lot of them. A 14-year-old boy was killed while attempting to jump from a moving subway train in Brooklyn just after telling a pal to watch the stunt. That's according to police sources. Watch me do this trick, the boy told a 15-year-old pal as they were riding between the cars of an L train at around 10.30 p.m. This was in late December. He then tried to leap from one moving from the moving train onto the platform of the station, but slipped and fell onto the tracks where he was crushed. The boy was rushed to Brookdale Hospital in New York, where he was pronounced dead. Please don't do silly stunts like this if you are on a subway. Mm-hmm. That's what I say, too. Finally, mom, baby, slay, plea. A New Jersey woman who allegedly gave her seven-month-old daughter methadone pleaded guilty last month to charges stemming from the child's death. Lisa Scalia, 32, of Ventnor, New Jersey, pleaded guilty to aggravated assault. She had rolled onto the child while high on drugs, but the baby's cause of death was due to methadone. How do these people, how do these people do such crazy things? Well, I just don't know, but they really do. Well, at any rate, you've heard some of the things on my mind. There are a lot of things going on. Again, I, I wanted to tell you about that, uh, John Lewis, Donald Trump dust up. A lot of people criticize John Lewis for the words he said that Trump is probably um, an illegitimate president and that he wouldn't go to the inauguration. Well, they have their right to say that. But, you know, when Donald Trump was running around the country saying that Barack Obama 
was not born in the United States and not a legitimate president. Here's what you heard from the critics and the Republicans. Yep, that's just what you heard. Not a thing. Not a thing was said. We have a new thin-skinned president, although I wish him well and hope he is successful. He's got to come off of some of this narcissistic stuff. Well, here we are. We're going to have a guest coming up in just a few minutes, and uh, he's actually a colleague of mine. He teaches now. He's been a lawyer for a long time. He's going to talk to us about franchise law and about franchising. The Orlando area probably has almost every franchise there is in the world. But before we do that, I want you to know that, uh, as I said, I have a blog. You can look at some of my stories on my blog, www.birdsongslaw.com. It's free. I'd like you to go there. Also, you can go to my website. You heard that advertised. It's leonardbirdsong.com. I sell my books on there, and there's some things about me if you want to know more about me. We're heading into a break, but let me just tell you this little this little tidbit that I saw in the news. These are some things that <laughs> they're not quite riddles, but they're funny. Why are ghosts bad liars? Why are ghosts bad liars? Well, it's because you can see right through them. <laughs> How about that, huh? <laughs> All right, it wasn't that funny. It wasn't that funny. Okay. All right, we have here, before we go to our break, we have our weatherman. He is the vice president in charge of looking out the window. The weather's sort of changing here. Mr. Vice President, Mr. Weatherman, what are things looking like out there in Orlando? Uh-oh. Oh, boy, that means it might be getting colder here. It's 80 today, but they say it's going to go down. At any rate, we're going to take a pause for the cause, and we're going to come back with Marvin Rooks. Marvin Rooks a colleague, a lawyer, longstanding lawyer in the Orlando area, and a dean of the franchise lawyers. So stick with us, folks. Be back with more. Are you considering law school? Then you probably have tons of questions about the application process, the admissions process, the benefits of a legal career, and what it takes to succeed in law school. You'll find the answers to these questions and more in Professor Birdsong's Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Inside, you'll find helpful chapters on the history of the lawyer, why you should apply to law school, things you need to know about applying, and more. You have the ability and the drive. Now, get the advice that will guide you into the legal profession by helping you successfully submit your application to the law school of your choice. Professor Birdsong's award-winning law school guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Available for purchase on Amazon.com or through the author link at LeonardBirdsong.com. Now, back to Professor Birdsong for more Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Okay, this is Leonard Birdsong back with you. 
I have as my guest Marvin Rooks. Marvin Rooks is a colleague of mine. He's a lawyer in Orlando. He got his uh, Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of Florida, and he graduated from Stetson University College of Law. That's the oldest law school in Florida. He was a member of the Bar Review. Uh, I'm sorry, he's a member of the Law Review, not the Bar Review, the Law Review. He's been practicing commercial law and franchise and distribution law since 1972. He's been very good at it. As a matter of fact, he formed a franchise consulting firm a few years back and uh, had an extensive practice advising franchise clients and preparing legal documents to implement state and national franchise programs. In 2002, he started as an adjunct professor at the Berry University of Law School here in Orlando. He's been very successful. He's taught a number of commercial courses. He was appointed a practitioner in residence, which is quite an honor, in 2012. And in 2013, he became the director of our externship programs. Now, he does a lot of commercial law. He's also a member of the American Bar Association Forum on Franchising. Marvin, are you there? Uh, yes, uh, Leonard. Could I get my wife on and have you tell her all that? <laughs> she knows all that, Marvin, and you know that. <laughs> she's a lovely, she's a lovely woman, though. So listen, Marvin. Very glad Marvin. to be on today. Yeah, well, I'm glad to have you on here because this is my new program, and I try to talk about some things on my mind, get some guests on to talk about things that people might want to know. And I know you know an awful lot about franchising. Let me ask you two questions. What you know, we're not in trial, so I'll now ask this compound <laughs> question. Can you tell our listeners what is franchising and why is it so popular in the Orlando area? Well, uh, l- let me. Uh, uh get rid of a myth first. I mean, a lot of people think franchising is French fries. It's a little bit more than, <laughs> it's a little bit more than French fries. Uh. The, 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 the definition of a franchise, kind of a, a, a layman's definition, it's yeah. a license to use a trademark in a method of doing business for a fee. Now, okay. The, 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 the best way for me to tell you what a franchise really is is to compare it to two uh, ways of setting up a business. Let's, right. take, uh, let's take a hypothetical client. Let's, let's say you have someone who, let's say they were in the military for uh, 20 or 30 years, or they're 50 years old, uh, and, and they've got a pension coming in. They put a little money away, and, and you know they feel like they don't want to retire and just go fishing. They want another business. And, All right. And their dream has been to own a little pizza place. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are two ways that they could go. Number one, they could go out and form their own business, which would mean having to uh, negotiate a lease with a landlord, uh, would have to deal with vendors regarding uh, food products, would have to get business licenses, uh, would just have to create on their own an entire business system, which they probably had no experience in doing. The alternative to that which is the franchise alternative, is they could rent a business, R-E-N-T, rent. And what they would do would would be to go to someone, you know, let's say like a Pizza Hut or or a a chain that everybody knows, and they could say, all right, uh, we, for a fee, we want to use your business system. 
And that business system would basically consist of uh, uh, being able to use the trademark, which is huge. That's one of the big advantages of a franchise. Right. Uh, uh, they, they would get an operations manual, which would basically guide them through how to set the business up. Uh, they would have a relationship with food vendors, uh, along with other franchisees, which would, um, you know, give them very favorable uh, pricing, and they would just be basically off and running. And, is this and, what they is this what they sometimes call a turnkey operation, Marvin? Yes, 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 exactly, exactly, uh, and. Basically, what you're doing is that uh, you pay an additional upfront fee anywhere, say, between thirty and $50,000. Some of the big ones, like the big steak chains, could be a million. Uh, but you, you, you pay the basic fee, and then you agree, once, once they get you set up in business, that you pay royalties, which could be anywhere between 2 and 10%. So wait a minute. Let me ask you this. You know, I don't know a lot about franchising, Marvin. I did criminal stuff and immigration stuff. Do you have to come up with all of the million dollars or all of the thirty thousand at one time, or can you pay that over time when you Sometimes, buy a franchise? Uh, uh, there are uh, uh, lending institutions that will finance franchise fees. Generally, the franchise. Now, now, let me. You, you know, it took me years to know the difference of fran- franchise or is the one who sets up the franchise. He owns the bit, the franchise. Franchisee is the one who buys the franchise. Right, right. And, I'm saying that. Okay. And and uh, I'm assuming we're talking to a lot of non-lawyers here. So, uh, uh, But anyway, so the franchisor wants their fee either from the, franchise, uh, the franchisee or the bank up front because the fee is not really a profit center. That's really what... Uh, if, if the fee is set right, that's what it costs for them to do what they need to do to uh, get the franchisee up and running. Okay, I see that. Now, the second part of my question was, why are there seemingly so many franchises here in the Orlando area? It seems like every business in the world is here. Well, you and I teach at a law school, and, and we're kind of on the edge of town. Yeah. And, and we can drive to downtown Orlando, and probably half the businesses that we pass will be franchises. Uh-huh. And one of the reasons why there are so many, it's not just Orlando, it's all over the country, because it is a very profitable way of business expansion. And and uh, there are some, uh, I'll, I'll list if you'd like a little later, the advantages and disadvantages, but it's a very profitable way to expand. For example, if you were a little... Mm-hmm. Uh, pizza place. I, I'm, I'm talking about pizza. I, I haven't had lunch yet. <laughs> but, uh, uh, <laughs> That's the, a pair. <laughs> uh, right. If you were a pizza place, let's say you had a very successful operation, you know, one store. Okay, you wanted to expand. Yep. Yep. You go out and let's say that you want to have two more uh, pizza uh, shops. If you do it yourself uh, as a company, you've got to negotiate a new lease. Uh, you've got to go through all of the business regulation. You've got to have agreements, you know, with various vendors, and that takes a lot of capital. The right. advantage of franchising is that if you go through the procedure to set up a franchise properly, you can expand with an accelerated growth and let your franchisee pay all those costs. And you, uh-huh. you not only don't have the liability, but it's a way for you to generate capital and expand your uh, business operation without having to own 
many different units. And so you have a sort of an area here where lots of people are going to come every year, every month, and that's a good place to set up business, I take it, right? It's exactly. And, and, and one of the reasons you ask why there are so many in Orlando, uh, and we're using Orlando because we happen to live here, but uh, one of the major uh, advantages of a franchise, let's say families come down from New York or Chicago or okay. Okay. the country. Okay, uh, they come here, they, they stay for a week, they want to go to the attractions, and they've got to eat. They've got to uh, eat. Exactly. Now, you know, they may not be able to find the best hamburger in town, but if they find a place that has golden arches, and you know what that is, I mean... I know what uh, that is. <laughs> that, that's, that's McDonald's. I mean, you know, uh, they they have a place where the, that they know is clean, uh, they know has, has good food, they know has wonderful. I, I got to quit talking about food. <laughs> That's all right, Marvin. You can talk about it. You know, it, it is it is sort of the lunch hour, lunchtime. <laughs> they have they have the best French fries, and it, it's predictable. And they know the cost. And, right. And so uh, that trademark, the the Golden Arches and the McDonald's, lures them in. You know, my wife and I. You know, we live in Orlando, but we have a home in North Carolina, and uh-huh. they're as much as we can, and we go through these little small towns in Georgia and South Carolina. Yep. And, you know, we tend to look for the chains, like, you know, the yeah. Wendy's and the right. and the places like that, uh, because they're predictable. And, and that's right. one of the main values, main benefits that a franchisee gets, uh, rather than having to start from scratch and build his or her own reputation they start R- own energy. R- right. I understand a little bit more about it now. This is just a sideline. On Sunday, I went to see a very good movie with Michael Keaton called The Founder. It was all about Roy Kroc, the guy who started McDonald's and how he became a multimillionaire. It's a very fascinating story. If you haven't seen it, you should probably go see we are it. You're probably going this weekend. One of the first uh, uh, stores that he started, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. And one of the first stores that he started was about a mile from my home. Uh-huh. It was, yeah, it was just phenomenal. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Now, let me just ask from a lawyerly point of view, how much work or time does it take a franchise lawyer like you to prepare all the documents and, I don't know, blue skying or whatever you have to do to make this deal go? Well, franchising as I said, is a very lucrative business, and there are a lot of franchising, uh, a lot of franchises around the country. But one of the negative, and not negative, but one of the downsides, it, it is extremely expensive to uh, uh, initiate a franchise operation from scratch. And the main reason why it's so expensive, it, it is a highly regulated industry. Right. Uh, back, in, back about 30 years ago, there were a lot of abuses in various parts of the country, uh, you know, where people were selling franchises and they were making claims that would not, uh, you know, hold up. And so the Federal Trade Commission regulates franchises, uh, you know, very carefully. And, and okay. basically uh, there are two types of, of regulatory states. One is like Florida, where, all, where what you have to do is prepare – a disclosure document called the Federal uh, Disclosure Document, FDD. That's probably anywhere between a 60- or 100-page document 
that tells a prospective franchisee everything that they would want to know before they buy a franchise. And that's sort of like a prospectus? Yes, very uh, very similar to a blue sky prospectus if you're buying stock. Uh, yeah. A lot of detail in there, and attached to that, the way that the relationship uh, is initiated is that uh, the franchisor and franchisee enter into a franchise agreement, and a copy of that has got to be attached to that federal disclosure document. So mm-hmm. uh, it's quite expensive to uh, comply with all of those regulations, and they have okay. to be updated periodically. Right. So the question I was getting to, how long does it take you as the lawyer to prepare this? Are we talking about weeks or months the or days? I, the last one I did took about three months to really oh, do okay. it must have I mean, been a big one, huh? Yeah, you, you don't really go out and, and, and find a form in a form book, which a lot of people think lawyers do. I mean, everyone is different, and, uh, you know, these have to uh, – you have to uh, uh, give this form to every prospective franchisee, and in 14 states around the country, you actually have to register that form and have it approved by the regulators. So okay. it, it, it's, quite, it's quite comprehensive. And well, that's one of the uh, the downsides of franchising is that it costs a lot of money to do it properly. But once you right. set up, it's it's very very lucrative. All right, Marvin, this has been very helpful, and I hope helpful to our listeners. A couple of more questions before I have to let you go. Um, do you think franchises are a good deal for people, small business people? I really do because. Uh, you know, it's 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 good for the franchisor because they don't have to have all the capital and they don't have to have all the control, uh, and they can delegate. They, what they're selling with a franchise is their supervision. They're they're supervising the franchisee, and it, right. it's a way for and there's, there's a, a quality control thing there too that they have to adhere to. Exactly, there are standards that are set out in the in the agreement that have to be met. It's good for the franchisee because they can get into a system that is lucrative, it has to be a win-win thing, because the franchisor needs to make sure the franchisee makes money, because that's the way that the franchisor makes money. With of course. Right. In its good form, and I'm not saying that they're, they're, they're failures in franchising, but when it's set up right, it's win-win, because the franchisor does not have as much hands-on type of work that that they need to do, and the franchisee is taught how to run a business that hopefully can make them a profit. Right. Now, Now, this is the last question before I have to let you go. It's come to my attention that people who are franchisees, they can lose their license to have their franchise. And just a quick story that I talked about on my first show last week. There was a Dairy Queen somewhere in Illinois outside of Chicago where uh, an African-American mother brought her two or three daughters in to get some Dairy Queen stuff. And uh, they got the order wrong. The mother was unhappy. The... Uh, Owner came out and he was very nasty to them and told them, uh, you in words, get out of here, never come back, that sort of thing. They posted this information on Facebook and about a week later, Dairy Queen took the franchise away from him. There are performance standards, both in terms of volume of, of sales 
and, and levels of cleanliness, all sorts of standards that you have to meet uh, to, uh, uh, to be able to keep your franchise or you can be terminated. Uh, the story, we mentioned Roy Kroc earlier, uh, the story is that he would travel around the country and uh, if he would go into a McDonald's on a freeway that he right. felt like was, was not clean, he would write them a check on the spot and say, you're through. <laughs> and, 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 well, that's certainly one way to do it, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And, and, and so, uh, you know, uh, one of the really good uh, franchises that uh, that I have been uh, aware of is Wendy's. And they have very, very careful. They have, they have people that travel around and go to all of their stores. And, you know, it's very hard to go into a Wendy's, you know, where you don't have really, you know, right. high levels that, of performance and whatever. The owner's name was Dave something or other, right? The owner of Wendy's. Say that Dave. He actually wrote one of the best. Dave books. Thomas. Yes, exactly, exactly. You were saying he wrote one of the best books you read. Uh, yeah, he he wrote a book on on franchising uh, uh, before he passed away that is really good, kind of from a more from a layman's perspective than a lawyer's perspective. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's it, it's one of those uh, uh, for dummies type books. Uh, and it, it, it's just very well. It, I, I like those kind of books myself. I can relate to them. All right, Marvin. Well, thank you so much. Uh, if you want someone to get in contact with you about franchising, do you have a website or a telephone number you want to give them? Well, I, uh, I, I don't practice anymore, but I'd be glad to talk to people and point them in the right direction. And okay. uh, my phone number is 321-356-6154. If they give want it to us. Call, Give it, uh, give it to us again. 321-356-6154. Uh, I'm a full-time professor, so I don't really practice law anymore, but I like to help out my friends and get people. You know, one of the main things, what I want to leave with, Leonard, is that if you are thinking of buying a franchise, get a good attorney. Right. A good, there are a lot of excellent business attorneys that don't know anything about franchising. Get something right. that really knows the area. Uh, because there are a lot of pitfalls if you think you're going to just wing it and do it yourself. All right. Well, Marvin, I know you like to talk to people. You're a good man. Thank you so much for coming on, okay? I'll see you at school. Leonard, thank you. I've enjoyed it very much. Okay. All right. All right, Peanut Gallery, you liked it too. Okay, well, we're going to take a little break here. Pause for the cause, as they say, and we'll be right back with you. Okay, okay. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited, nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and consumer debt counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call. 
at 1-800-820-9232 or go to consumerdebtcounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Now back to Professor Birdsong for more Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Well, this is Leonard Birdsong back with you on the Leonard Birdsong Radio Show. The fax machine has been working overtime, but I hope you enjoyed hearing from Marvin Rooks. He's a good man, good lawyer. Uh, he's now teaching at the law school, and he knows a lot about franchising. If you might be interested, you might want to give him a call. Right now, I've got some news, some more news tidbits came in from my research assistant, and I'm going to read you. These are all real news stories, not long ones. Some of them don't even have headlines. Here's one. It comes from Ghana. Don't you just hate it when your side piece shows up to your wedding? That's what happened to a groom in Ghana who was shocked to see his mistress arrive at his ceremony wearing the same dress as his bride. The wedding crasher seized a microphone and exposed her affair with the groom, touching off a brawl in the wedding hall. It wasn't clear if the ceremony continued. <laughs> I doubt that it did. I doubt that it did. Don't you just hate it when the side piece shows up? All right, here's some information from the UN. They write, this is the early January, the world's population grew slightly to 7.4 billion in 2016, with a substantial youth bulge challenging global political and social systems. The 2016 UN Population Fund report highlighted the gains to be had by investing more in girls' education. Yeah, that's probably would be a good thing. All right. Another one. Sell while driving sleigh. The story. An 18-year-old New Jersey student who was talking on her cell phone while driving pleaded guilty uh, in the beginning of the month to hitting and killing her high school superintendent while he was jogging. Prosecutors did not release her name because she was only 17 at the time of the accident. She faces three years probation under a plea deal for fatally striking Stephen Mayer and his dog, too. Boy, what an awful driver. Don't text and drive, folks. All right. Here's one. They say, the story says, it's the ecstasy of defeat. Socks are the secret to a better sex life, according to researchers who found sock wearers were able to reach orgasm more often than those who went without socks. Going to bed with socks on can also help one fall asleep faster, according to the study from the University of Groningen in Germany. Nope, strikes that's in Germany, that's in the Netherlands. So you Latin lovers out there, be sure to wear your socks to bed. It's been a lovely time with you here today. Um, I love the show, and I love being on Talk Zone Radio. I hope you will continue to listen to me. If you don't like some of what I said, or if you do like something that I said, you can email me, my email, lbirdsong at, nope, lbirdsong22, lbirdsong22 at gmail.com. 
you can write me and I will talk to you or answer you and maybe talk about you on the radio. It's almost time for me to leave you, but here are a couple of riddles you might want to hear. And you may know these, but I'm going to tell you anyway. First one. Why is a swordfish's nose 11 inches long? Why is a swordfish's nose 11 inches long? Well, the answer, because if it were 12 inches long, it would be a foot. (laughs) You like that? That's true. All right. You like that one so much? What kind of key can open a lock? What kind of key can open a lock, folks? Well, a turkey. (laughs) All right, I'm going to end because I'm going to go out. I'll be with you next week, but listen to this one and think about it. And think about me. When the cow tried to jump over the picket fence, it was an utter disaster. You want to hear it again, Peanut Geller? When the cow tried to jump over the picket fence, it was an utter disaster. Get it? (laughs) Well, I love being on radio with you guys. I'm going to be signing out. This is Leonard Birdsong. Dave, thanks for all your help in this show today. I've had fun. And I'll be back with you next, next Thursday. You can listen to me on TalkZone Radio. It's Internet Radio. I'm available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You guys and ladies have a good week. And remember, you pretty girls can call me by my nickname, Leonardo. I'm out.